Well, welcome. Glad you came out tonight. I know we have a, a session going on right now with the partners training to use the one-on-one discipleship course that we have for our church. Uh, so if the, I hope that one's full. And if that's the case, then we have a really good crowd in here as well. And so glad you came tonight. At each one of your tables, there should be a discussion group leader. There are some handouts there uh, that look like this that uh, each person should be able to get a copy of. Uh, let me just ask you, as we begin here tonight, how many of you have ever heard a sermon on Song of Solomon? Okay, well, more than I thought. How many of you have, have there ever been, have you ever been through a whole series of teaching through the whole of the book of Song of Solomon? A uh, lot less, okay. Um, sometimes uh, the Song of Solomon is, uh, just one second, if there's some people looking for a place, if you have chairs at your table, maybe raise your hand, somebody can uh, make their way over to you. Now tonight, I would just like to say if there are people who are watching at home on one of our video uh, streaming uh, opportunities, uh, the questions that we'll be going over will be at the bottom of the screen, and you can take some time and go over it with us. At the end of this uh, time that we have of, around the tables, then we're going to uh, come back together and look at this. But we're going to look at Song of Solomon tonight. And let me just tell you that Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, uh, follows this statement. In verse 15, it says, The sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, adequate, equipped for every good work. So the Song of Solomon is part of that. Song of Solomon is able to make you wise unto salvation. It's also uh, part of God's inspired word. It's, it's God-breathed, and uh, you need to be adequately equipped for life. And the Song of Solomon is a very important piece of that equipment for you to live a life of godliness and to have a proper view of the things that it does teach. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, look at this from an observation standpoint. We're going to look at the Song of Solomon. And Song of Solomon, if you have not ever read it, is uh, essentially a collection of love poetry. In our hermeneutics course in the seminary, we teach different genres or different types of literature in the Bible. God has inspired his word in many different ways. You have narratives, you have uh, prophecies, you have gospels, you have epistles or letters in the New Testament. But you also have this beautiful section of poetry. Uh, you have psalms, you have wisdom literature like the Proverbs. And, and here in Song of Solomon, you have something that's unique. You have love songs. Love songs. Uh, it's just, just beautiful, beautiful poetry. And we're going to see that the Song of Song, Solomon is called, there on your paper it says in verse 1 of chapter 1, the Song of Songs. Some people call the, the book the Song of Songs as opposed to Song of Solomon. And if you think about the Holy of Holies, you know, that's, that's the most holy place, right? If you think of the Song of Songs, that means it's the, the greatest song. 
It's the best song. So well, here we have the best love song ever written. Song of Solomon. Now this is poetry. It is filled with similes and metaphors and all types of artistic language more than any other book in the Bible. It's kind of a loosely connected lyric poetry. Uh, you can't really follow it for, like a story from one at the beginning to the end. You have uh, sections. We're not going to go into the whole uh, breakup of the, an outline of the whole book, but just tell you my perspective briefly on the Song of Solomon is that it is intended to be love poetry that extols the beauty of God's design for physical intimacy and marital fidelity and romanticism, commitment, all in the confines of marriage. One man, one woman in a committed relationship. It's, it's just beautiful as you read it. This book has been very neglected. Most of the medieval church didn't want to have much to do with it, they, so they, they started making it uh, totally figurative in the sense of, of an allegory of uh, Christ and the church, and therefore they could get off somewhere in a monastery and just teach it to monks and say it doesn't really have anything to do with any kind of physical relationships. It's just all about you and Christ. But what we're going to see tonight as you look at this is you're going to see how God just amazingly, by his spirit, inspired the author, who I believe is, is Solomon, to put together something to teach us and to benefit our marriages, but also to point us to Christ. So we're going to see how that happens in this book as well. The exercise is going to be observation of five things. First of all, you're going to look at some literal references. You're going to look for body parts. <laughs> and then number two, you're going to look at nature imagery. And number three, courtly imagery, which would be like from the, the royal courts, like Solomon's wealth and opulence and stuff. And then fourth, you're going to look at family imagery. And finally, we're going to look at some application. So table leaders, go ahead and go through... Uh, these questions with the people at your table, lead them through, make some lists, make some comments, discuss them, and then we'll come back in probably about 40 minutes or so and uh, try to give some summary and close out with the conclusion. Okay. Let me pray before you guys get going on that. Lord God, thank you so much for this piece of uh, Scripture. Thank you that you were so wise in giving it to us. We pray that we would really see how beautiful love can be and that we would be reminded of how beautiful your love for us is. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Is that uh, pretty interesting? A lot of imagery there, isn't there? Uh, maybe uh, I could have you share just a little bit. Sorry we don't have a microphone, but you'll just have to maybe share really loud. Um, what are some of the what are some of the images you had there? We had three different sets of types of imagery. 
you had the families, you had the royal court type of imagery, and then you had the most uh, comes from nature, right? And what are some of the images that you saw as, as interesting? And let me ask you this first. Would you like to look like the woman that he describes? If, uh, <laughs> have you ever seen the, a drawing of all those images put together? I have to show you sometime, but I should have had that for you tonight. But, you know, a nose like the Tower of Lebanon and, you know, things like that. Pomegranates on the temples. But, but, you know, all of these things are things that they would have thought of as beautiful or something pleasant. And that should be a challenge to us. I'll mention why in just a second. But what, what were some of the images that you thought were interesting or helpful? Or Flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead, right? Uh, you don't want to call somebody's hair a flock of goats these days, but are a belly like a heap of wheat? You know, was that? <laughs> Sheep freshly washed and hewn, okay. shorn or whatever. What else? Dove eyes, lovey-dovey. Did you see a lot of uh, terms of affection in there? Yeah. What are some things that we can learn from uh, Song of Solomon in regard to our marriages? Love? I mean, that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Is there, there should be a committed love. But one thing you notice is the Holy Spirit has given us an example of expression, right? That love has to be expressed. And one of the things that you see is the expression of, uh, of names like uh, beloved. What other, what other ways did uh, they describe you? Okay. Yeah, I mean, and in marriage, this challenges us. You know, we were talking at our table about, you know, at Second Corinthians three sixteen, talking about how um, it's all God breathed. It's all good for correction, for training in righteousness. It's it's all adequate, or to make us adequate, equipped for every good work. Uh, it's to make us wise into salvation, and so God has given us Song of Solomon to challenge us in our marriages and in teaching others how to love each other. We should have expressions of, uh, of love, telling each other we love each other, and we should want to be romantic. You know? That's a challenge to a lot of us. You know, that, you know, what are some things that would be attractive? How many body parts were there listed there? Around 20 or so, right? Somewhere around there. Depending on the translations you have, maybe. But what's the point? What's the point of uh, extolling all of the parts of his or her body? Just delight, right? Delight in that person. You know, when you, when you go to the beach and you got your uh, flip-flops on, tell her how cute her toes are, you know? 
I mean it. We need to, we need to challenge ourselves to, to think about uh, the complete person. Somebody, somebody mentioned, you know, um, where do I find this guy? Or where do I find this girl? Well, if you have one, that's her or that's him. You know, that is, you know, that's your standard. And that's the person you're to think about and apply all these details of extolling their praises. That's what will make your marriage, okay? Now, any other comments, just uh, general comments you had? Yes. Yeah, you have to have a mindset that she's the most beautiful, right? And convince her that you're the most handsome, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, and and it is kind of a flow, right? You know, you get started, you can get on a roll in uh, in praising and be romantic. So, any anything else before I have a couple of comments to close with? Yes. For so. Yeah, that's right. You know, all of creation speaks of God's eternal power and divine nature. And so it is beautiful. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tell us about God. And, so, and, and each person is created in God's image, too. And so you're, you're really praising God as you praise facets of somebody that's created in his image. So. Okay, well, we, might, we, we want to make sure that we always recognize that every book of the Bible is given to us to preach Christ and to preach his redemption as well. And... If you look at the book of uh, Song of Solomon, you see that um, it's in the wisdom literature. And our Lord Jesus Christ has some of the names that are listed in Song of Solomon. He's, he's the bridegroom, isn't he? He's our bridegroom. John 3, verse 29 calls Jesus the bridegroom. And 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul tells us that we were pledged to one husband. It's good for us to, to recognize that all of marital love is ultimately an expression of the greatest love of Christ for his church. We see that in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. And so we're to enjoy, God made us to enjoy relationship. God is the happiest being in existence. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit exist in this holy, loving union. And He made us in His image to be relational, to have relationships. If you have relationships with people, it's because God created you in His image and enables you to be able to have friends and loved ones, spouses. And as we think about marriage, you know, 
that's a gift that God has given us, a, a very special union. And, and he says we'll become one flesh, and then in Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about how this is a mystery and that this mystery is great. And then he says, but I'm speaking of Christ and the church. And so there's a lot we don't even understand about marriage, but it is meant to draw us to Christ and to think about the greatest love that's ever been shown. If you're here tonight, there is somebody who loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We're fallen. We're broken. We've, as a result of breaking God's law and, and saying we don't want to live in your image, we don't want to live for you, we've brought great harm upon ourselves. And we have broken God's law. We deserve the punishment, the penalty of death that comes from that. But God has sent his son to sacrificially lay down his life on our behalf. He died on the cross in our place. And as a result, he has secured a victory over sin and Satan and death. And he has enabled us through faith in him to be forgiven for all of our trespasses. So if you're here tonight and you feel that weight, that burden of sin upon your heart, there is a way that you can be forgiven and have that relieved. And you will enter into the greatest relationship you could imagine. That is a relationship with God through Christ. And I would urge you to make sure you don't go away from here tonight knowing that you have that relationship and that you'll experience eternal life, which, which is knowing him, but also being able to live forever with him in the new heavens and the new earth. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for love. Love is expressed in so many different ways. It's, it's been expressed even before time as we know it began the Father loving the Son, and the Son, the Father loving the Spirit, and the Spirit and the Son loving the Father, and this goes round and round, and it's amazing the relationship that we have been brought into. You created us for relationships, Lord, and to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. All love comes from you. And you've shown us perfect love, a sacrificial love, a way of considering others as more important than ourselves and lying, laying down our lives for others. Lord, we pray that this would penetrate our marriages. Teach us to be uh, romantics. Teach us to be poetic. Teach us to be united in love, but exclusive in love. Let us say to, for all of us that are married, let us say to our beloved, you are mine. I will not go to the fields or the fountains of another, but will be fully satisfied with you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.